It is Sunday, February 13th, 2022, and we are live. Hope everybody's doing well. Welcome to the History Network show. We have a very, very uh, exciting show planned for you today. So with the Super Bowl going on, um, what's interesting is that the Super Bowl is overshadowed by the racism going on in the NFL that has been, uh, even though we knew a lot about it, before we knew back in uh june of uh of 2021 we know that the nfl announced that it was going to stop using race norming uh the race norm- norming practice but the lawsuit by brian flores alleging discrimination when it comes to interviewing for coaches and among other things has really put the NFL in a bad light at a time when the largest uh, sporting event um, is taking place at, at the same time. Okay, uh, the Super Bowl. So we're going to talk some about um, this on today's show. Uh, we're going to deal with uh, NFL's race problem is overshadowing uh, the Super Bowl. We'll talk about Brian Flores. We'll talk about the meeting that um, Roger Goodell had with uh, some civil rights leaders uh, this past Monday. Okay. Uh, that was Monday, February 7th. We'll, we'll talk about that and let you hear uh, some interviews uh, that were done with some of the people in the meeting. There's more and more pressure that's being put on the NFL as we see um, more evidence of racism in the NFL taking place, not just when it comes to head coaches. OK, that's at the bottom. OK, we know that they hired. Um, um, one, uh, well, one additional African-American coach, Lovey Smith, uh, Mike McDaniel d- doesn't count because he's been passing basically. I mean, just to be honest with you. So he doesn't count. Uh, okay. He's biracial. He doesn't claim to be black. He's, he's basically been passing. Okay. So, uh, that doesn't count. And at the same time, you uh, have no African-American owners and there have never been any African-American owners in the NFL. Okay. So, and this is a league that is between 58 to 68% African-American. There's never been an African-American owner, majority owner in the NFL. So all these issues are coming to head. Okay. All these issues are coming to head. And this is at a time when, when we look at, uh, some statistics on the uh, on the Super Bowl, for instance. Okay, now we know that the Super Bowl is viewed by over a hundred million people uh, each year, generally speaking. Okay, and National Retail Federation (NRF.com) has some good information uh, on the Super Bowl. Um, I'm going to pull this up right here. So when you hear statistics on Valentine's Day. We know Valentine's Day is coming up. We know that I had uh, my show in the Washa at due on last Sunday talking about Akoma Day, which is uh, an African-centered cultural alternative to Valentine's Day because Valentine's Day we know is not uh, for African-Americans. If we look at this piece here from the National Retail Federation, okay, Super Bowl 56, Super Bowl 56, the latest consumer. So when you want to know about uh, the spending on holidays, things like this, 
I go to the National Retail Federation for this, NRF.com. The latest consumer spending data from NRF.com, National Retail Federation, and Proper Insights and Analytics 2022 Super Bowl survey found that 185, found that 184.5 million U.S. adults, 184.5 million U.S. adults said they plan to tune in to the big game, okay? 185.4 million U.S. adults said they plan to tune in for the big game. And despite the ongoing impact of the, of the coronavirus pandemic, consumers are feeling more traditional, bringing back some game day traditions. This year, 90, 90 million people are planning to throw or attend a Super Bowl party up from 62.8 million people last year and another 13.7 million adults plan to watch the game at a bar or restaurant. Total spending on food, drinks, apparel, decorations, and other purchases for the day is expected to reach $14.6 billion for the Super Bowl, for Super Bowl Sunday, $14.6 billion. So this is the type of money that the, these African-American men generate. Now, the average career in the NFL is, is right about 3.5, 3.6 seasons, okay? Uh, and they have a link here. You can look at more data uh, dealing with this. Super Bowl 56 is expected. 184.5 million adults are expected to watch the game. Uh, those watching expect to spend $78 on average or $14.6 billion. Uh, the game is, uh, most important to 40% of viewers. The commercials are important to 21% of viewers. The halftime show, which is basically all black is most important to 18% of viewers. Now it's interesting that they have this all black, pretty much hip hop show. And nobody's talking about Colin Kaepernick who's still banned from the league, who's still blackballed from the league, even though he got a settlement, he ain't taking need to get a settlement even though he's still blackballed from the league. So read the rest of this here from National Retail Federation. Now we know commercials are going, a uh, 30 second commercial is going for at least five, $5 million, okay? This is the type of money that's being generated off of the backs of these African-American men. But when it comes to ownership, we have a lack of commitment when it comes to ownership, okay? Now, um, Roger Goodell, did a uh, press conference a few days ago. And the press conference he did a few few days ago sounded just like the press conference he had this time last year, saying the same thing, okay? Now, ESPN has this article, and you can give us a call, 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the call in number if you have a question or comment. I'm gonna go to this article here from ESPN. When we come back from the break, we're gonna go to uh, some segments here and let you hear some interviews. Now, people may ask, well, Michael Lumbo tell who you have in the in the Super Bowl? Okay, look at my T-shirt. This is Colin Kaepernick. You think I really give a damn about a Super Bowl? I'm talking about ownership. I'm talking about ownership. I haven't watched the NFL game since Colin Kaepernick left the league. I'm talking about ownership. I ain't talking about playing on the field. All right. So let's look at this article here from ESPN. Commissioner Roger Goodell says NFL fell short in hiring of minority head coaches. <laughs> oh, really? 
Yeah. Okay. So, so after the, after Brian Flores, and we've been covering the Brian Flores here story here, after he really exposes what's going on and he, he alleges that, uh, um, uh, the uh, coach of Miami Dolphins wanted him to tank games. Okay. He talks about the text from Bill Belichick uh, who congratulated him, uh, congratulated a Brian, got a text congratulating Brian on getting the head coach position. And he said, wait a second, I haven't interviewed for the position yet. It was, it was another white Brian who, who got the job and Bill Belichick. Oh, my bad. Okay. So Brian Flores is exploring, is exposing all of this. Commissioner Roger Goodell says NFL fell short in hiring of minority coaches. Now, this article is from uh, February 9th, 2022, which was um, Wednesday. Okay, Wednesday, February 9th. Uh, Commissioner Roger Goodell said Wednesday, February 9th, that the NFL fell short in terms of increasing the number of minority head coaches this offseason and that he has no solutions for the league's hiring practices. The, the the Rooney rule doesn't work. They, they they've been getting around that by just just uh, having these uh, really um, not taking a lot of these uh, interviews seriously with African American head coaches. Those here in Detroit, we saw how the Detroit Lions treated Jim Caldwell after he got them uh, an eleven five record, the best record since nineteen ninety one, and they fired him. Okay, the hell with the Lions. I I don't even understand why people keep watching the Lions, but okay, misery loves company. Yes. The NFL, and those who don't know, Jim Caldwell was an African-American coach. The NFL continues to have a total of five minority head coaches and two were fired and two were hired this season. Okay, Mike McDaniel, don't count. Okay, uh, we'll continue this on the other side of the break. Listen to the African History Network show right here on 9, 10 a.m. The Superstation of Future Radio. I'm Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. The work that I do is larger than the fashion industry, it's larger than the art world. And I believe that I was born to bring newness into this world. I'm Kaima McIntyre, I'm 24 years old and I'm an artist. I create everything from paintings to jewelry design, metaphysical jewelry to be specific, and fashion design. The only reason why my prom dress went viral is because people needed it. Within a few days of going viral, Notori Naughton reached out to me. She's like, I saw your dress, can you make me a dress? I was equally as shocked to be asked by a celebrity to design their dress at the age of 17. That's just one person and the list just continues to go on to Janet Jackson, to Tyra Banks. It really hits home. That means that the discussion is happening on the grounds in real time. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 9, 10 a.m. The Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Sunday, February 13th, 2022. Some people are Super Bowl Sunday. For other people, it's the day before Frederick Douglass' assumed birthday, which is February 14th. For other people, it's a day to focus on uh, the NFL and the uh, racism in the NFL. Some people call it the Negro Football League. But whatever it is that you call it, call-in number is 313-778-7600. Is the call-in number if you have a question or comment, 313-778-7600. Is the call in number if you have a question or comment. All right. Uh, I'm going to send this to you, Jalen. We're going to go to clip one here from the Black News Channel uh, in just a second. Uh, 
going to send this to you. All right. So right before the break, we were talking about what's going on with the uh, NFL and the um, racism that has been exposed. Well, a lot of it we already knew about, but uh, a lot has been exposed with the lawsuit from uh, Brian Flores, uh, former uh, head coach of the uh, Miami Dolphins. Now, I want to go back to this piece here from uh, ESPN that deals with the press conference that Roger Goodell, NFL commissioner, um, had back on Wednesday, February 9th. So some people saw the press conference. And it sounded a lot like what he said last year. Okay. And when it comes to African-American head coaches, it's not that difficult. What it is is that the white owners, the white team owners don't want to have a lot of African-American head coaches. That's all it is. It's not that difficult. Okay. If you can find black players, you mean you can't find black coaches? I mean, let's just be honest. So the white owners don't want to have a bunch of black coaches. That's all it is to it. And if they don't want African-American coaches, you know they don't want African-American owners. Um, okay, so let's go back to the, uh, I want to go back to this article here from ESPN. This is dealing with Roger Goodell. Yeah, cue, cue up clip number one from the Black News Channel. Jaden, we're going to go to that in just a minute here. So once again, the name of this article is uh, Commissioner Roger Goodell as NFL, quote, fell short, end quote, in hiring of minority head coaches. Now, I'm more concerned about African-American head coaches than minority because they can hire a white woman and call that a minority. So I'm I'm, gonna, I'm focused on black head coaches, okay? Um, the NFL continues to have a total of five minority head coaches after two were fired and two were hired this offseason. Reiterating, that he has invited outside experts to consult on possible ways forward. Okay. Roger Goodell said every option will be on the table, including the, re including the elimination and replacement of the league's Rooney rule, which legislates diverse interview policies, but has not had the desired impact on hiring because, and, and um, one of the things that Brian Flores talks about is sham interviews. Okay. Uh, NBC News has this piece, Sham Interviews and Mistaken Bill Belichick Text, Six Takeaways from Brian, Brian Flores' Lawsuit Against the NFL, okay? So, see, when I see stuff like this, it's hard for me to be entertained by black people performing for white people during a halftime show. There's no disrespect to them, but it's understanding the principle. It's understanding the totality of this, understanding a system of white supremacy and racism. You got no African-American owners. You got two black coaches. Mike McDaniel don't count. Okay. You got, uh, there's only been a handful of black GMs. All right. No African-American owners. And you got hip hop during the uh, halftime show. And you selling commercials, for six, a 60 second commercial for $5 million plus dollars. And it's it, to quote uh, Keith Sweat, something, something just ain't right. So, uh, Roger Goodell during the news conference outside of SoFi Stadium um, the site of the Super Bowl 56 he said quote we believe in diversity we believe in diversity he said we believe it has made us stronger okay people now it was I, I watched a lot of it live it was <laughs> I, 
I couldn't watch it without laughing. Okay. But anyway, he said, we believe it has made us stronger. People who have come into the league who are diverse have been very successful and made us better. And we just have to do a better job. Is there, is there anything, is, is there, is there another thing that we can do to make sure that we're attracting the best talent and making our league more inclusive? If I had the answer right now, I would give it to you. I would have implemented it. Okay. So, um, this sounds like a lot what he said last year before the Super Bowl. Now let's just back up for a minute. We're gonna go to we're gonna go to clip one from the Black News Channel. This is uh, Derek Johnson, president of the NAACP, met with Roger Goodell. He's one of the civil rights leaders. But let's go back to this here. The NFL continues to have a total falcon with him, reiterating that he has invited outside experts to consult on possible ways forward. Roger Goodell said every option will be on the table. Now, is one of your outside experts Colin Kaepernick? I'm just curious. I mean, why you need an outside expert to tell you that your team owners are white supremacists and bigots? How hard? Look, this ain't difficult. If the team on the 32 team owners, if they want to have black coaches, they just make the decision and hire them. This ain't difficult. They just don't want to do it. All right, let's go to clip uh, number one. This is Derek Johnson, uh, uh, president of the NAACP. He was one of the uh, African-American civil rights leaders and head of organizations who met with Roger Goodell uh, last Monday. Let's go to clip, uh, clip one, Jalen. Earlier this week, civil rights activists uh, met with the NFL commissioner, Roger Goodell. They told him things must change or the league's cash could pass it, and that was very key. And I want to talk more about that. The NAACP president, Derek Johnson, friend of the show, was one of those leaders uh, with Goodell, and he joins us live this morning. We've been waiting on you um, because your voice is so necessary and so important. So good morning. We spoke with Roger Goodell on Monday. Then he had that news conference on Wednesday, and he uttered things that we've heard him say before, Derek. Uh, we're going to do better there's more to do here. We're going to study this and try to make a difference. Did the presser reflect any of your conversation? Well, uh, Roger Goodell is the commissioner of the league, but it's a league of team owners that mm -hmm. really dominate the decision-making process. And so we had a candid conversation with the commissioner. Uh, we heard the very same things you heard in his press statement, but we recognize that the decision-makers are each uh, team owner is a set of features uh, that are subsidized by our tax dollars and, and patronized by our viewership and our attendance in the game. And so for the African-American community, we must demand that the league truly reflect not only the players on the field, but the fans that are sitting in the, uh, in, on the sofas or in the stands. And so at this moment, we have to push back against the, the, the foolishness we seen yesterday if that is the best they can do in terms of a coach to represent the community and the players, uh, he's going to be left off the field. I, I don't see how he can he can uh, get the respect of the players if that's how he communicates, help the players, more or less how he communicates with the public. Yeah, and, and we're talking about a franchise that was the catalyst for a very big lawsuit 
and the discussion and the fallout that, that, that followed from that. We have Colin Kaepernick banned from the NFL, basically, and I think that's the appropriate word instead of playing the game. Um, they mm-hmm. settled, the NFL did, that $1 billion race-based testing case brought by veteran players. Uh, what does Roger Goodell, perhaps, and, and really the owners, I wish that, that these billionaire owners would afford you a seat at their table to have this meaningful discussion. What don't they get about what's going on here, or do they actually get it? Well, you know, that's the real question. Do they get it? Do they care? Is this something they can touch their debt? These are a set of billionaires who have been endowed with chiefdoms uh, that are almost like many cities. And and they are so disconnected from the everyday lives of people, more or less African-Americans, they don't care as long as the bottom line continues to generate the revenue that they are projecting. And so we have to shake that up. We have to continue to push the question. And if we cannot be heard as a community, we have to make some hard decisions around how do we patronize and, you know, selectively mm-hmm. uh, buy where people respect our dollars. And at this point, uh, we are coming fastly to that junction. Roger Goodell is the convener of the yeah. table. He's not the decision maker at mm-hmm. the table. Every team mm-hmm. owner, they make the, make the decision, and we have to put more pressure on them. Yeah, and it seems that the league is brilliant in their their marketing and their window dressing and propping up Goodell as if he is this powerful guy who's going to make sure investigations go correctly and that he's going to hold people to account when truly he is doing what he's told, probably on a conference call. Uh, But you said some brilliant things this week, and among them that had me perk up from where I was sitting was reminding us about the money instead of just asking or demanding. Uh, Buffalo, for example, looking to use public funds to build a new stadium for the Bills. 37% of the population is black. And did you directly bring that up with Roger Goodell? We we talked about all of the public financing, not only in Buffalo, but all across the country. Uh, These billionaires are seeking ways to profit off of our tax dollars. And they have been uh, very creative in their demands of leaving cities if they don't get a new stadium, and that stadium needed to be wholly financed by the public coffers. Uh, but that has to be a part of our approach. The leverage we have is mm-hmm. to get municipalities, get states to begin to hold the, the teams accountable for more, more diverse uh, uh, picture on uh, with head coaches. There have been some advancements in the front offices. There have been some advancements with assistant coaches, but there have been no advancements with coaches. Uh, We have two, well, one and a half black coaches in the league right now. Um, And and that's pitiful. pitiful. And if a black coach is not successful in one place, it is is more than likely Mm -hmm. that coach would not get a second chance. And white coaches fail all the time, and they get two, three, and four chances Mm -hmm. going to different teams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you want to eat healthy and all right, pause it right there pause it right there let me know if that's the end of it Jalen. i know we're coming up on the break okay now when we come back from the break uh, I, I want to play the interview that uh reverend al sharpton did on uh uh morning joe after after the meeting with roger goodell also we're going to talk about this article here from msnbc no halftime show is big and black enough to hide the NFL's latest controversy. You listen to the African History Network show right here on 9, 10 a.m. The Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Come and travel with me to a time long ago and place far away. You will experience high adventure and excitement. You are fighting alongside an ancient army in fierce battle. 
Feel the exhilaration of struggle and final conquest. My name is Maninkare and I am both a prince and a priest in one of the most advanced civilizations humans have ever produced. I want you to ride with me in my chariot as I slay the barbarians who have come to invade my land. I invite you to sit at the conference table with the great pharaoh Taharqa and his ministers as they plan intrigue and use subterfuge to outmaneuver and defeat the enemy. Come back with me to the land of your ancestors, to the beautiful land of Kemet. So open the pages of this book and begin the adventure. Find out what happens in the book Maninkare Battles the Assyrians in the Nile Valley from author Makari Jones. Get your copy today at Amazon.com. iRedify is a black-owned digital platform that showcases black and brown cultures and people. The books on the platform are written by African-American authors, Afro-Caribbean authors, African authors, and so much more. Kids 14 and under can read ebooks, listen to audiobooks, and complete learning activities. Kids can even write in the books digitally. Get unlimited access to everything on the platform for only $8.99 a month at iRedify.com. Sign up for your membership today. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Sunday, February 13th, 2022, day before Frederick Douglass' assumed birthday. Some people call it Valentine's Day. Uh, calling number 313-778-7600 is the calling number if you have a question or comment. Uh, so we're talking about uh, the NFL's uh, uh, racism problem is overshadowing the Super Bowl. And right before the break, we were talking about the uh, meeting that lead commissioner Roger Goodell had with uh, civil rights uh, leaders on Monday uh, that was Monday, February 7th. Okay. And I was playing this interview, uh, from the black news channel and, uh, Sherry was speaking with, uh, NAACP president and CEO, Derek Johnson. He was in that meeting. Let's go back to that clip, uh, Jalen. Yeah. And, and the money and the contracts and the buyouts that, that they also get are just, um, Phenomenal. They're just phenomenal. It sounded like a, a minute or two ago that you alluded to the possibility that perhaps black people need to uh, not just vote when it comes to public financing at these stadiums, but perhaps consider a boycott. And I wonder if that's what you are meaning or perhaps intending down the line. Well, I always say that we must be selective in where we buy, what we purchase, and who we purchase from. This is no different. I mean, mm-hmm. a selective buying is truly understanding that in this country, we have two currencies, our vote in a democracy to inform public policy and the spend of our tax dollars, and our, in our capital, how we spend our dollars to hold systems and people accountable to the needs and interests of our community. And that's the capital that we hold as African Americans. Our goal now is how do we better to leverage that capital collectively, both the vote increasing it and making sure we get the voices necessary to represent our interests and our spend. And, and that's been the challenge in our community, but that's a challenge that we must stand up to to ensure that leagues like the NFL reflect our 
community. If we're going to give up our young people who, who some of them worked 14 years from, from toddlers all the way up to try to get in the league and they sacrifice their bodies, their health, their mental state of being, that we also should be demanding that decision makers are in the front office, but also along the sideline. Okay. Oh, I'll keep going. I, I was going to ask you if you could make a little trip down to Miami and offer some education to Coach uh, McDaniels, but I don't know if, if that's even worth it with everything else on your plate. In the remaining time, if you could just tell us what's next. Is there another meeting plan? Um, what's the strategy? Well, first of all, I don't uh, knock on brick walls without a door or handle or an invitation, so I'm not going to Miami until there's a reason to go. And what's next is continue the dialogue to bring some of the team owners to a table to begin to discuss diversity uh, along the sidelines but uh, throughout the, the NFL. And then more importantly, as soon as there's an opening for a purchase, that we are past the time for African-American ownership in an NFL team. We have more than enough individuals, individually and collectively, who could stand in the gap and be a team owner. And so that's the next thing we're pushing for. I think the NBA has done better along the sidelines. Uh, we also need to push for the NBA to do the same. And so we are in this moment that we shouldn't be asking constantly to be included at a table when we should be mm -hmm. a part of the table and building the table as well. I love it. I love it. As I said at the top, your voice is uh, more important now than ever. Thank you, Derek Johnson. We appreciate you always. All right. So now we should already levied um, economic withdrawal strategies against the NFL and their advertisers. Same thing that I said we need to do with these uh, corporations that in July 2021 signed on to a letter supporting the uh, uh, John Lewis Voting Rights Act. And then they've pretty much gone silent when you have a metaphorical lynching of John Lewis taking place and as well as Dr. King and the dismantling of Dr. King's uh, legacy. So, you know, we should have already uh, instituted economic withdrawal strategies and redistributed the pain, as Dr. King said, April 3rd, 1968, in his last speech, where do we go from here? Uh, in his last speech, I've been to the mountaintop. Last book, where do we go from here? Chaos or community. But um, I, I deal with this in the article that I wrote back in 2015. Why did Dr. King tell us to distribute the pain, understanding the power of economic, understanding the power of economic withdrawal? So we need to do the same thing to the NFL and the advertisers of the NFL, because if the advertisers, the corporations that advertise during the NFL games during the Super Bowl, if they told the if they told the team owners, hey, we want African American, we want more African American coaches and we want some black owners. Guess what? It's going to change. So we have to we have to understand this. And and we saw the NFL spoke out back in uh, 1991. They moved the I think it was the 1993 Super Bowl, moved it from Arizona because Arizona did not recognize Dr. King Day as a federal holiday. This is what the, this is what the NFL did back in 1991. So Derrick Johnson is correct. We have our vote and we have our dollars, okay? And we have to understand how to redistribute the pain through targeted, sustained economic withdrawal strategies. Okay, so we'll, we'll go to the phone lines in just a second. Uh, hold the line there. 313-778-7600 is the call and number for every question or comment. Now, they mentioned, Derrick Johnson mentioned one and a half minority coaches. He, the half was Mike McDaniel. Now, Mike McDaniel, 
the press conference he did was a disaster when they came to talk about race. Um, he, he, he put out another statement to clean it up. New Miami Dolphins coach Mike McDaniel, extremely proud to be biracial. Okay. Now when, 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 when at the press conference, he said he was a human being. Okay. Now this, this is from ESPN, February 11th, uh, 2022. Uh, we, we posted it on our Facebook fan page, the African history network. Everybody laughed at it when it came out. Dolphins, new Dolphins, new head coach, Mike McDaniel has been passing for white clarifying comments this week in which he said, in which he said he identified as a human being affirmed that his racial background is something he simply, he affirmed that his racial background is not something he simply identifies as it's what he is. But that, that's not what you said when you stood up there, right? Answering questions. Okay. That's not, that's not what you, you said you didn't encounter racism. <laughs> okay. Well, people thought you were white. So yeah, you're not going to encounter racism. He said, first and foremost, I'm biracial, but you ain't said that at the press conference. Okay. You said you identify as being a human being. You, you did say your mom's white and your dad's black. You did say your, 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 your mom experienced racism because she's married to your black dad, all that stuff. But you said you identify as being a human being, not biracial. He said, I've been extremely proud of that my whole life. That his mom's white and his dad's black. Uh, he told ESPN on Friday, he said, it's a unique experience being a uh, race. He, he said, it's a unique experience being a race and then fully acknowledging that most outside observers, when they perceive you, they identify you as something other than the race you are. When, when, when you're younger and this is happening, is very confusing, end quote. Okay, so then he goes on and he talks about uh, situations where his friends couldn't come over to uh, over to visit over his, his his house, and he couldn't understand why. And his parents had to explain because you know he was he was biracial, he was mixed, and they were black and white, things like this. He explained it, but that's not what he said at the press conference early in the week. Okay, so uh, okay, all right. So he had to do you know. See, we don't have the luxury of not like not knowing. I mean, if you, <laughs> all right, new Miami Dolphins coach, Mike McDaniel, extremely proud to be biracial. Okay. So he came out with that a few days later. Um, let's go to the phone lines quickly. Let's go to fly girl line one fly girl. Welcome to the African history network show. Tell us where you're calling from. Yeah, I'm calling from uh, Detroit. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. So, um, my comment is this when it comes to the, uh, which I wrote on my comment there about uh, black people, people don't act like black people are not taxpayers. Uh -huh. We are taxed just like everyone else. Mm -hmm. You know, our money goes to the federal government, goes you know, to the city or whatever. But these wealthy individuals, they get money when they build new stadiums right. or whatever they do, all that comes in taxpayer supported. Mm -hmm. What do we get out of this? We don't we're not getting our fair share of what we put in for as our taxes. Right. And not only our taxes, things that we buy, things that we you know we purchase, things that we go out every day, uh, you know, all those things. We need, we're not getting I fair shit for what from my taxes. 
And uh, what about many other vendors that they have supporting these stadiums? You know, mm-hmm. the people cook the food, the people sell things. Right. Uh, the all those positions. So, all those contracts that they have, the clothing contracts. Right. Uh, whatever, all the equipment that they have. Where are, where are we represented in all this stuff? Right. So that's why it's very little. That's why it's about ownership. And that's why uh, city, uh, that's why taxpayer dollars shouldn't go to build stadiums for billionaires when billionaires can go get loans from bank to build stadiums or get investors, things like that. That should not, the, the, those stadiums should not be built on the back of, of, of taxpayers, especially poor African-Americans. And then you don't have any African-American team owners and, and only, on, only two, only two black coaches. No, no. See, see, this is why we have to be smarter. This is why we have to be smarter. Okay. We're coming up on a break fly girl. Thanks for calling. Keep, keep, keep listening. Okay. All right, thank you. All right, uh, let's go, uh, uh, Jalen. When we come back from the break, we're going to go to clip two from Morning Joe. Uh, so, this article here from uh, CNN: NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell meets with civil rights leaders to discuss concerns over hiring practices Monday, February seventh. We'll discuss this on the other side of the break, and I'm going to let you hear uh, Reverend Al Sharpton uh, when he was on Morning Joe uh, after the meeting. And he's talking about exactly what Fly Girl was talking about. You listen to the African History Network show. I'm Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. STEM Forward, helping our community find their place in the emerging fields of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Join us for our monthly live stream on our website, stemforwardedu.org. Watch, subscribe, share. Also join our mailing list to stay up to date with STEM resources and opportunities. STEM Forward, the future is now. Watch, subscribe, share. Abundant Capital Group is a real estate investment company with over 20 years of experience in real estate. They specialize in two areas of real estate. One, they solve real estate problems with creative financing solutions that give the seller the most money for their property. And two, they show individuals how to get a higher rate of return on their investment capital with Real Estate Note Investor. If you are looking to sell or need to sell your property, here is what they provide. Market value offer, even if you have little or no equity, they typically pay all closing costs, which can be thousands of dollars. They close on a date of the seller's choosing and the seller does not have to be out of the house at the time of closing. They take the property in an as-is condition and the seller is not required to make any repairs. Give them a call or email them today for a free consultation and see how they can help you with your real estate needs. Call them at 973-475-8488. That's 973-475-8488. Visit their website, AbundantCapitalGroup.com. That's AbundantCapitalGroup.com. And email them at ACG at AbundantCapitalGroup.com. Follow them on Instagram and Facebook at Abundant Capital Group. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 9, 10 a.m. The Superstation Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Sunday, February 13th, 2022. And we are live. Call in number 313-778-7600 is the call in number if you have a question or comment. 
So we're talking about uh, the NFL's racism problem is overshadowing the uh, Super Bowl. We're talking about the meeting that civil rights uh, leaders had with uh, League Commissioner Roger Goodell on Monday, February 7th. We're talking about talking about the Brian Flores uh, lawsuit against the NFL, the former head coach of the Miami Dolphins, uh, claimed in a class action lawsuit filed uh, on Tuesday, uh, a couple of weeks ago now, uh, that the NFL discriminated against him and other black coaches in the, in their hiring practices. Uh, he cited sham interviews. He cited the Bill Belichick uh, text message, all of this. It's taking place all at the same time when you have many of these stadiums that are built with taxpayer dollars. Uh, and it's a lot of uh, uh, dollars from African-Americans going to build these stadiums. But you have no African-American head coaches. I mean, uh, no African-American team owners ever in history. You only have two and a half black head coaches or two. OK. And we see this rapid discrimination that's taking place. Now, uh, lead commissioner Roger Goodell held a press conference last week and he said the same thing, uh, had a press conference, uh, Wednesday, uh, February 9th, two days after meeting with the civil rights leaders. And he basically said the same thing, uh, this time that he said last year, right before the Super Bowl. ESPN.com has his article. Commissioner Roger Goodell says NFL fell short in hiring of minority head coaches. How long did it take you to come up with that speech? Okay. Commissioner Roger Goodell said Wednesday, February 9th, that the NFL fell short in terms of increasing the number of minority head coaches this offseason and that he has no solutions for the league's hiring practices. Okay. Now, at least you're telling the truth. You have no solutions. We told you that. <laughs> but the pause with the owners. The pause with the team owners. So that's why there needs to be a meeting with the team owners. Okay, now I, I want to go to this second clip. Um, Reverend Al Sharpton was also another civil rights leader in that meeting with Roger Goodell. Reverend Al Sharpton talked about how these stadiums, many of them and many cities are built with taxpayer dollars. Let's go to this for Morning Joe, uh, Jalen. Reverend Sharpton is with us on set. Rev, you met with NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell yesterday in the context of Brian Flores' uh, lawsuit against the league, the former Dolphins coach who was fired from his job. Uh, the NFL jobs are full now. One new black coach hired, Lovey Smith, who's had previous head coaching experience in the NFL before leaving to go to the University of Illinois and coming back. The Houston Texans hired him. Brian Flores and his attorney put out a statement saying, good on the Texans for hiring him, but Effectively, it should have been me, Brian Flores' attorney said. What was your message to Roger Goodell, and what do you hope to see going forward? Well, you know, on Friday, I sent a letter along with Mark Morial of the Urban League and the president of NAACP, Reverend Barbara Skinner, and, and uh, Melanie Campbell, asking for a meeting. And over the weekend, he called Mark. We met on Monday, virtually, for over an hour. Our message to him was that, the first, the Rooney Rule has not worked. We've not been able to see... A, a real quality increase in terms of black ownership, which is still zero. There's no black owners in 32 clubs uh, in the history of the NFL. And we only have had at that point Monday, now uh, uh, on Wednesday, we have two black coaches. So there has to be a different rule. And, and I think Mark uh, drove that home. 
My point was, would you have to remember, as we're asking you for timetables and goals, concrete timetables and goals, you are dealing with teams that are financed by public money, and we laid it out. These teams are not just being underwritten by billionaires. Municipalities and states are investing money in these teams, investing money in these stadiums, and that if you guys cannot figure out the way to represent the diversity of the taxpayers that is paying for your stadiums and paying for your games, then we're going into these city councils and state legislatures and have them to vote to remove their money. We have the right to say that we're not going to finance a league that we can't own a team and we can't coach a team. You figure it out. And I think that was the message that really got to him, as well as we'll go to advertisers. You'll have your Super Bowl Sunday, but you won't have the same Super Bowl next year if we can't figure this out. We'll go to your advertisers and say, you want to advertise with them, you're going to face our campaign against you and our community. Colin Kaepernick took a courageous stand. It's still not given a job. We are not going to see Brian Flores left out there like that. We want to see him not dragged through the legal hoops or uh, long uh, arbitration, and we want to see goals and timetables. We're willing to work with you or against you. It's your choice, but you cannot keep – one team is 100% public funding. You cannot keep using public funds and not have a fair kind of diversity plan that is concrete. Remind people, Brian Flores, 40 years old, won eight of his last nine games with the Dolphins this year, had him on the doorstep of the playoffs. They were arguably the worst team in the league a couple of years ago. Hopefully he's got a bright future in coaching ahead of him. How do you make sure, Rev, because this is not your first rodeo in right. moments like this, how do you ensure that there's follow-through on this, that Roger Goodell in the NFL didn't just have a meeting with the Reverend Al Sharpton and said, okay, we did our job. What's the next step? What did he say to you? Because the Rooney Rule, you're right, was put in place in 2003, and still almost 20 years later, we sit here with two black head coaches. Well, the follow-through is going to be that we will be right in front of city councils and state legislators that we do not deal with uh, this in, in, in a very short period of time. And if they don't go to the table and deal with Brian Flores, including his uh, charge that they were off, he was offered money to tank games. So we're not talking about waiting a month. We're talking about we'll be right back there next week, and that's why a collective of, of those of us in national civil rights groups are on this. We can get the votes in these city councils uh, to say, wait a minute, we'll stop public funds, and we'll see how much your exclusive billionaires want to operate without public money. Reverend, briefly, the other part of his allegations, he's saying that he was paid to lose games, right. therefore making him the face of a dismal team and making it harder for him to get another job down the road. Another African-American head coach made a similar accusation. Are we going to see evidence of that? Is he going to provide that to back up his claim? John uh, Lev Karadis, uh, who's a lawyer, says they have the evidence. He's a good lawyer. And I think that uh, that is going to raise all kinds of, uh, of flags, even possible criminal investigations. But clearly, you want them to tank games. It'll hurt their record as coaches while you are in a better position uh, to go to the draft. It's, it's absolutely a catch-22 that we can't have uh, uh, tolerated. And obviously, this is the story of the NFL right now with the Super Bowl just a few days. Is there a Super Bowl? <laughs> there you go. Okay. So that was from uh, Morning Joe and – that was from, uh, I think that was from Tuesday morning. That was from Morning Joe, MSNBC. That was from uh, February 9th. That was Wednesday. Wednesday, February 9th. Uh, so that was in the morning, later that day. 
Roger Goodell had his uh, press conference. Okay. And we're going to talk about, uh, we'll talk about a little bit more of this article here. Uh, NFL commissioner Roger Goodell meets with civil rights leaders to discuss concerns over hiring practices. And then we'll also let you hear from Brian Flores himself, an interview that he did uh, last weekend. You listen to the African History Network show. I'm Michael M. Hotel. This is our Super Bowl show. This is a different type of Super Bowl show. We're talking about NFL's racism is overshadowing the Super Bowl. Hashtag show me the money. We'll be back in a few minutes. Mental health and well-being have long been a taboo subject in the so-called African-American community. So I enlisted the help of mental health experts, thought leaders, and activists to help kill the ghost of Willie Lynch and heal from post-traumatic slave syndrome. We experience trauma a lot of times um, on a subconscious level. So sometimes something happens to us and we know that it's traumatizing, but we don't really recognize the extent of the trauma. They are emotionally constipated and emotionally obese because again, all the things that we experienced in childhood, we suffocated and we stored in our body. It's a time to kill and it's a time to heal. We've been haunted by the ghost of Willie Lynch and his doctrine of self-refueling trauma for too long. It's time for Willie to die. Die, Willie. It's time for the ghost LOXD block. It's time to kill the ghost of Willie Lynch and get out the matrix. Check out my man Ron Life Speaks at DieWillie.com. Jeanette Davis is a well-established author with six published books. Black Survival in White America from Past History to the Next Century was published in 1995, and it delves into the history of African Americans before slavery up to contemporary times. The Great Divide Between Blacks and Whites was released in 2008, and her autobiography, Black Just Like My Mama, was published in 2010. Soulful Journey, The Business of Beings, was released in December 2021, and her two latest books, Echoes from the Heart, Love Throws Poetry, and Master Being Human, were both published in January of 2022. Jeanette Davis' writings delve deeply into the psyche of black people from ancient to contemporary times. She cuts no corners and leaves no stones unturned in relating truth, letting the chips fall where they may on both African and European doorsteps. Order Jeanette Davis's books today at Amazon.com. Search for Jeanette Davis and get to know her work today. 9:10 a.m. Superstation, a division of Adele Media. I'm Dr. Michael M. Hope, the African History Network show. We deal with current events in history and politics, education, economic empowerment, entrepreneurship, relationships, love, sex, health issues, and much, much more. Unfortunately, many people confuse what racism is. Racism is a power structure. It was laws and policies that put us in this predicament. It's going to be laws and policies that take us out. So when you control the radius of a man or woman's thoughts, you can control the compass of his or her actions because the mind can't do or teach what it doesn't know. We have it all on 910 AM Superstation. The views and opinions expressed on any program are those of the producers and or the persons appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of 910 AM Superstation or Adele Media. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM Superstation, the future radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Sunday, February 13th, 2022, and we are live. All right, uh, we'll go back to the phone lines here in just a second. Uh, you can still register for the online classes I teach on Saturdays and Sundays from the Civil uh, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa. 
understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Um, I teach this one on uh, Saturdays, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So we had a great class uh, this weekend. And then on Saturdays, uh, on Sundays, I teach um, from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. So I do a PowerPoint presentation. We have book references, articles, video clips. Um, the next class is Saturday, February 19th. Uh, I teach these classes 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can watch from around the world. I do the sessions live. All the sessions are archived and recorded. You can go back and watch them anytime. Uh, so visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can register for the class. The class is uh, on sale $80, regularly $130. And once you register for it, you can watch it two years from now. If you want to go back and watch the full class, you can do that. I just posted the link here on the thread of the broadcast also, but go to AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. And then on, uh, so that's on Saturday. On Sundays, I teach from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. And that's 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. also. And we look at, we start with the uh, Louisiana Purchase of 1803, and we go through uh, and look each each class, we look at, analyze uh, a 10, 15, 20-year period of history through the Civil War, Reconstruction, uh, Jim Crow era, uh, Great Migration, World War, World War One, World War Two, Civil Rights Movement, Black Power Movement. Now we have a bundle pack. You can register for both classes for only one hundred twenty dollars. That's a two hundred sixty dollar value. And um, if you've taken any of my online classes with me before, and I've been teaching these online classes since twenty seventeen, uh, if you've taken any of these online classes before, uh, email me at ahn show at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, and you'll get a um, you get a 50% discount bundle pack, okay? AHN Show at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, you get a 50% discount. So that's a $260 value that you'll get for $60. All right, email me at AHN Show at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, and we'll post this information here also. All right, I want to go to uh, – okay, I, I just sent you a clip um, – Jalen of the interview with Brian Flores from uh, Politics Nation. Um, Reverend Al Sharpton did that interview February 5th. So we're going to go to that here in just a second. Okay, I want to go to, and we'll go to the phone lines as well. 313-778-7600 is the call-in number. If you have a question or comment, 313-778-7600 is the call-in number. If you have a question or comment. So I want to look at this uh, piece here from CNN quickly. Uh, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell meets with uh, civil rights leaders to discuss concerns over hiring practices. This is from Monday, February 7th. They updated it uh, Monday night after the meeting. So NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell met with civil rights leaders Monday amid concerns that the league and its teams are not doing enough to promote black and minority coaches for head coaching opportunities. Now the, um, the meeting came less than a week after a federal class action lawsuit was filed uh, by former Miami Dolphins head coach, Brian Flores, who is suing the league along with, along with three other franchises He's suing the league along with three other franchises for alleged racial discrimination. 
participants in Monday's uh, meeting, Monday, February 7th, participating in participants in the meeting included Reverend Al Sharpton, uh, C, uh, NAACP president and CEO Derek Johnson, who you just heard, and National African American Clergy Network co-convener, Dr. Barbara Williams Skinner. Okay, now also participating were National Urban League President, CEO Mark, Mark Morial, and uh, National Coalition on Black Civic Participation, uh, Melanie Campbell. I know uh, Roland Martin interviewed Melanie Campbell. I was on Roland Martin Unfiltered on Friday. We'll share some segments on our Monday show from when I was on Roland Martin Unfiltered. I'm a panelist each Friday. I know Roland just interviewed Melanie Campbell this past week. I think they were talking about, I think this was one of the things they talked about. Now, the five leaders called on Roger Goodell to replace the Rooney Rule, a league instituted uh, mandate requiring teams to interview a diverse range of candidates for coaching, general for, uh, candidates for coaching, general manager, and executive jobs. It requires every team to interview at least two external minority candidates. It requires every team to interview at least two external minority candidates for open head coach head coaching positions, according to the league's operations site website. Quote, however well-intentioned the effect of the Rooney rule has been, and they adopted that in 2003, however well-intentioned the effect of the Rooney rule has been for team decision makers to regard interviews with candidates of color as an extraneous step rather than an integral part of the hiring process. Okay, Mark Moriel, uh, president of the uh, National Urban League said Monday in a statement. Now, Brian Flores, who's African-American, who's black, was fired from his job as head coach of the Miami Dolphins last month, despite his team winning eight of their last nine games this season and nearly making the playoffs, nearly making the playoffs. The 40-year-old Brian Flores, he's 40 years old, says in his lawsuit that um, a later interview with the New York Giants for, the, for their vacant head coaching job had been conducted under disingenuous circumstances as Brian Flores had found out three days before his interview, as Brian Flores found out three days before his interview, that the Giants had already decided to hire another coach. So he's saying they just... They just interviewed him just to check off a box and say, hey, we, we you know, we followed the rules of the Rooney rule. But they, he said they had already decided to hire another coach. And he got the and he got the text message by accident from Bill Belichick, uh, New England Patriots uh, head coach. He got the he got the um, um, he got the text message from Bill Belichick saying congratulating. Uh, it was saying like, congratulations, Brian, on getting hired. And he said, hey, I haven't interviewed for the job yet. It was another Brian who actually got the job as a white guy. Okay. So it was Brian uh, DeBow. Okay. Uh, there's a big article from New York Times that gives some background information on that. Okay. So uh, I want to go to this interview that Reverend Al Sharpton did with uh, uh, Brian Flores, who gives uh, who breaks down what this lawsuit is about. Let's go to uh, clip three, Jalen. Now to this week's news from the world of pro football. As the number of black head coaches who survived this current NFL season with their jobs intact has dropped down to just one, drawing criticism from black fans. 
as one black former head coach addressed his own grievances against the league with a potentially historic lawsuit. He joins me now, former NFL head coach Brian Flores and his attorney, uh, John, he left Terrakis. I left Terrakis, yes. I left Terrakis. I always get your name wrong, John, as long as I know <laughs> okay, you. Okay, Rev. Thank you all both for joining us here tonight. Uh, and and I certainly we appreciate you coming in live. I have to start with some added context for our audience who might not follow football. This week, you filed a federal suit against the NFL, contending that in addition to a pattern of racial discrimination across the league, you say in the lawsuit that your most recent employer, the Miami Dolphins, asked you to intentionally lose games against your will, while two others, the New York Giants and Denver Broncos, effectively used their interviews with you to check a box on diversity, manipulating the NFL's own rules to close the gap. In a league that's still about 60 to 70% black as far as players, but has never had more than 20% black head coaches, and we're now down just to one in 32 teams. Of course, we have to point out that the NFL uh, uh, land those three organizations have issued statements denying your claims, insisting on good faith. Make your case, Coach Flores. Why, and clearly, uh, when the whole team around, a losing team, got fired, you're doing interviews for other jobs, why would you put your career on the line? Well, I would say Senator Padilla just said it um, just a few minutes ago. Representation matters. Uh, and there's just a lack of representation um, for black and minority uh, coaches and uh, executives and just representation and leadership positions as a whole in the National Football League. And um, that's got to change. This, this, this lawsuit isn't about me. Um, it's about um, that lack of representation. It's about the people and the generations that are going to come behind me um, and it's about the young, young, young people, um, young, young boys and girls, like my, my kids. I've got three young kids, they're uh, nine, eight, and five. Um, they're, they're not limited to just being players in the National Football League or an the NBA. They can be coaches. They can be executives. Uh, they can be owners. Um, but, but, you know, as it sits right now, there's, there's no example of that. You know, uh, uh, John, uh, as attorney, let, let's go on the record. The Miami Dolphins claimed that the firing was because of organization issues. Uh, owner Stephen Ross said in part, quote, an organization can only function if it's collaborative and it works well together. He also denied that they paid the coach money to lose games. The New York Giants told NBC News in part, quote, the fact of the matter is Brian Flores was in the conversation to be our head coach until the 11th hour. Ultimately, we hired the individual we felt most qualified to be our next coach. The Denver Broncos say those allegations are, quote, blatantly false and that their process was thorough and fair to determine the most qualified candidate. And the NFL released a memo today that went to all 32 teams titled Our Commitment to Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, saying in part that the results of the NFL coaching diversity efforts, quote, are unacceptable, and stating that, quote, racism and, and any form of discrimination is contrary to NFL values, and adding that, quote, we understand the concerns of Flores and others this week. Uh, attorney, I mean, the facts are the facts. 32 teams, one black coach, no black owners, never was a black owner. And Flores is doing interviews for other jobs. He certainly didn't have to do this 
So, I mean, when do they stop thinking they can just buy chicken dinners to uh, uh, groups and throwing money at, at uh, so-called social justice groups that don't fight social justice and deal with the systemic problem in their league? Well, Rev, now they're forced to deal with it because Coach Flores lent himself his career to this cause. And, you know, you hear different statements from the various organizations and even from the league, but the numbers speak for themselves. And, you know, this, this situation is not limited to Coach Flores. This is, this is a situation that every black minority candidate, whether for coaching, uh, executive positions, they experience this all the time. And, Rev, as you know, you're a champion for these causes. This is not just limited to the NFL. Well, the, the issue is that our country really goes and takes, takes leadership from, from sports, especially the NFL. So how, you know, we have to really fight against the NFL, the racist policies, and we have to stand up, and we're doing that in this lawsuit and saying it's not going to happen anymore. These window-dressing statements of a commitment to diversity are not enough. Especially when you don't see it. You know, Coach Flores, this being politics nation, I was interested to read that the same week the Washington franchise finally settling on a name, several former employees of that organization, mostly women, testified before a congressional oversight committee. Okay, uh, we're going to pause it right there. We're coming up on a break. This is the African History Network show right here on 9, 10 a.m., the Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. We'll be back in a few minutes. Mental health and well-being have long been a taboo subject in the so-called African-American community. So I enlisted the help of mental health experts, thought leaders, and activists to help kill the ghost of Willie Lynch and heal from post-traumatic slave syndrome. We experience trauma a lot of times um, on a subconscious level. So sometimes something happens to us and we know that is traumatizing, but we don't really recognize the extent of the trauma. They are emotionally constipated and emotionally obese because, again, all the things that we experienced in childhood, we suffocated and we stored in our body. It's a time to kill and it's a time to heal. We've been haunted by the ghost of Willie Lynch and his doctrine of self-refueling trauma for too long. It's time for Willie to die. Die, Willie. It's time to be the ghost LOXD block. It's time to kill the ghost of Willie Lynch and get out the matrix. Check out my man Ron Life Speaks at DieWillie.com. What does self-care mean to you? To us, it's an opportunity to reconnect with nature. A chance to create something remarkable. At Sage and Elm Apothecary, our handcrafted skin care and household products immerse you in Earth's sweetest nectar, connecting you to nature in a way you never imagined. See for yourself and visit us at sageandelmapothecary.com. 910, the Super Station, the oldest radio station in town since 1922. All right, welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 9, 10 a.m., the Superstation of Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Sunday, February 13th, 2022. And uh, for some people, it's Super Bowl Sunday. For other people, it's uh, uh, Show Me the Money. And it's holding the NFL accountable, especially those taxpayer dollars 
from African-Americans that helped build these stadiums in various cities. All right, call-in number is 313-778-7600 is the call-in number if you have a question or comment, 313-778-7600. Callers holding on the line. We're coming to you in just a minute, so don't go anywhere. I want to go back to this clip here from uh, Politics Nation. Uh, Reverend Al Sharpton interviewed Brian Flores uh, on February 5th. Now, this was before Lovey Smith was hired, so you have two African-American coaches. Uh, Mike McDaniel, don't count. Uh, and also, read this article here. Pretty good article from um, this is from Joanne Reed's uh, blog on MSNBC. This is an article by um, Jahan Jones, who writes for her blog. This is from February 2nd, 2022, updated February uh, 3rd. No halftime show is big and black enough to hide the NFL's latest controversy. No halftime. They always go get some African-Americans to sing and dance when they want to distract you from something. I know they're good. I know they're good entertainers. I love, you know, Snoop and Mary J. Blige and all this. Okay, but still, wait a second. Hold on. Uh, you got all this going on with all this racism, and you got an all-black halftime show. Okay. <laughs> no halftime show is big and black enough to have the NFL's latest controversy. Brian Flores' lawsuit alleging discrimination in the NFL hiring should crumble the league's facade built over the built over the last few years that it supports anti-racism. The the lawsuit that Brian Flores, and this is the interview we're playing to Brian Flores right now, explaining the lawsuit. The lawsuit he filed alleging discrimination in the NFL and NFL hiring should crumble the league's facade built over the last few years that it supports anti-racism. No, we don't don't support anti-racism that way <laughs> because all the, the, the league owners control this. They can just go out and hire. Hey, we want 10 African-American head coaches. We want 15. You got 32 uh, uh, teams. So when you have vacancies, you say, hey, they could they could solve this overnight. They don't want to solve it. That's what it is. Let's go back to this clip, Jalen. Alleging a pattern of abuse and sexual misconduct involving senior lead, uh, leadership. Some players hey, and the hey, team hey, owner Daniel Snyder. Back, back that up like about 30 seconds or a minute. Just back that clip up a little bit because the people can hear the full sentence. Okay, we're going to go back you to that. See you know, Coach Flores, this being politics nation, I was interested to read that the same week the Washington franchise finally settling on a name, several former employees of that organization, mostly women, testified before a Congressional Oversight Committee alleging a pattern of abuse and sexual misconduct involving senior lead, uh, leadership. Some players and the team's owner, Daniel Snyder, in an email statement from the team, Snyder apologized again for past misconduct that took place in his organization but denied the new allegations. And I'm not asking you to comment directly on those allegations, but I would be interested to hear you if you think the league is due for a wider investigation by federal authorities. Because watching from afar, it seems like the culture of the organization is continually exposed as being toxic. But the money keeps rolling in, so it's tolerated. I mean, would you testify in front of a congressional committee about what's going on in terms of racial uh, discrimination? You know, let, let, let me jump in first, because <laughs> I don't know if we've committed him to testifying, or we, that's something we'll discuss with our legal team and my co-counsel, Douglas Wigner. But the reality is, 
Congress needs to step in and conduct hearings. That's not, that's not a secret. Ten years ago, we conducted hearings on steroids in baseball. Mm -hmm. So when the NFL is discriminating against black minority candidates and executive and upper management positions, is that not worth Congress's time? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm not going to ask you, are you going to testify? Will well, you well, testify? Well, let me, let me do what I, what I say right here. Right. What we do need is change. That's, that's, we know that. And I think this lawsuit, this is, this is, uh, this is going to be the vehicle for change. And we need, we need as many people to get behind this lawsuit uh, to support you know, what we're doing. Because um, it's a class action suit. It's a class action suit. Um, and look, my story is not the only one um, uh, of its kind around the National Football League, from, from black coaches, minorities, uh, women in the NFL. Um, I, I don't stand alone here. But it's hard to uh, step out against uh, the National Football League for a lot of reasons. Number one being we love to coach. I love to coach, and uh, you're putting that in jeopardy when you when you when you uh, challenge the National Football League. But in, but 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 it's a, it's, it's bigger than um, it's bigger than football. It's bigger than me, and this isn't about me at all. This is about well, clearly it's not about you. You risking <laughs> your coaching career. You know, uh, uh, on the field protest uh, moment popularized by Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed and others is now six years old, and the league is still dealing with the optics and the fallout from that moment. I thought about that in preparing for this interview, reading some of the numbers from the University of Central Florida's Institute in Diversity uh, and Ethics in Sport, which found a nearly 12% drop in the number of self-identified black players in the NFL from nearly 70% in 2016 to about 58% last year. Have you gotten any sense that black athletes are turning away from the league now, popular as it remains? Uh, I can't speak to those numbers. I know uh, the players that I'm around, um, they love to play, they love to practice, they love to prepare, and I love to coach them. So I, I really can't speak to those numbers. Let me, let me, when you say you love to coach them and you turn literally a team around, and we all have heard about how uh, you mistakenly got a, uh, uh, a text. Uh, that w was intended for a white named Brian, saying, Brian, congratulations. Yeah. And this was for getting a coach job that you were getting ready to interview for. You thought he was congratulating you, telling you in advance you were getting the job, and it wasn't that. I mean, when you read that, when you see the, the systemic elimination of people that have excelled like you have, how does it make you feel personally? Uh, as a wave of emotions. I think that that, that uh, text message confirmed a lot of the things that um, you know uh, black coaches and, and minorities in, in, in the National Football League uh, felt like were happening in back rooms and uh, um, the backroom conversations and uh, it just confirmed that. Um, and that's a, you know, I'm, I'm, that was really the day I felt like you know we couldn't be silent anymore. Um, there comes a time where silence is betrayal, and, and, and you know Dr. King said that. Um, we can't stay silent on these, these issues anymore. You know, uh, one of the things that struck me, John, about uh, uh, the coach here is that he comes from Brownsville. And I grew up in Brownsville, a little before him. Never ran, never will. Never ran, never will. <laughs> he comes from a tough neighborhood, and, and I grew up there, and it's tough. But he, his mother, who uh, you said used to watch me doing rallies and stuff, Yeah. his mother and them fought to get him in a good prep school in Brooklyn that you went to and my daughters went to. I didn't even know my daughters knew the coach until this happened. 
And you made it. I mean, you broke out of Brownsville, made something of yourself, a role model for people that they can break out. And then you treated like this. I don't know if they know how tough you are, because if you had to come off of Ambor Street in Livonia and, and, and where we came from, you know, we can take a lot. But I think the fact that you got out and didn't say, I'm out, I'm going to protect mine, is something that I really admire about you. Thank you. I mean, um, you know, I think you mentioned my mom, and she passed away three years ago. Um, she, she, she was uh, adamant about um, us giving back to the community, community and not forgetting where we came from. Um, and that's a big part of why, why um, you know, we filed the lawsuit, because it's not about me. It's about, you know, those who come behind me. Um, I spoke to a, 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 a team yesterday. Um, and talk to them about, you know, what sacrifices for them. Um, and, and I believe that. John, uh, in the coming days, I hope some of the celebrities and others come out and support. And uh, this being a class action suit, I'm sure knowing you the way you work, uh, there'll be other announcements of others joining on. Are you concerned that the NFL will attempt to derail the suit through arbitration before it ever goes to court? There's no derailing this train, Rev. You know, one of the things that the NFL may try to do is move the case to arbitration, which, quite frankly, if they are sending out statements saying they're committed to diversity, why would they? And, and you should watch for this as you follow the lawsuit. Are they going to try to move this litigation from a jury in the public view to behind closed doors? Because then the question needs to be asked, how committed are you to diversity if you continuing to try to take these very real issues that where the numbers don't lie and sweep them under the rug behind closed doors. So if their legal team tries to take that approach, that's telling about their so-called commitment. And that's one of the reasons I, as president of National Action Network, the president of Urban League, National Urban League, president of ACP, all of us wrote uh, to uh, the commissioner and, and said we need a real meeting to sit down and deal with the details of this lawsuit and why we support it. These are major civil rights organizations. Not going and getting guys that they make activists, but people that have a solid record in that, and that are not looking for anything other than to see justice around this lawsuit, which helps everybody else. And I think that's the important thing here. And if they cannot deal with civil rights groups or deal with the public, uh, then I think that tells us a lot. And let's not forget, many of those stadiums are built by investments from municipal, state, and uh, taxpayers. So even if you're not a football player, we are paying for stadiums that our kids can't be coaches mm -hmm. and our kids can't uh, own the team. So uh, we may be going to some city councils with some Flores legislation. Yeah. You didn't say that I did. <laughs> Thank you both for coming Thank in you, and being here. We certainly will follow this up. Okay, so that's from uh, February 5th, uh, Politics Nation. So that was before Lovey Smith was hired. So they said one uh, black head coach. And uh, the, they have, we have the statistics here, uh, courtesy Politics Nation. And uh, when we come back from the break, we'll go straight to the phone lines. We'll go to Rod and uh, anybody else who's holding on the lines also. You listen to the African History Network show. I'm Michael M. Hotel. The African History Network, 9, 10 a.m. Superstation, WFDF. We'll be back in a few minutes. Stand by. Okay, we've got Sharon. We've got John Ray, Becky. 
Okay, stand by. Uh, let me see. We got to go to, I got to get ready for this next segment. Who still needs to register for the online classes I teach on Saturdays and Sundays? Okay, we've got the race norming. Um, that's going to be the last clip. And then we'll do a preview of uh, online classes. Snoop Dogg. Okay, we'll deal with all that tomorrow. We're going to do... Um, Where's the race norming? Stand by, everybody. Uh, what do we want to do? We want to show. Back from breaking two minutes. Stand by. Stand by, bathroom break in one minute. This has to race Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 a.m. the Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. All right, it's Sunday, February 13th, 2022. The um, St. Louis Rams beat the, if you haven't heard, because you don't follow football, and I get news updates. I don't follow football, but I get news updates. The, uh, the uh, Los Angeles Rams, I should say. I remember when they were in St. Louis. The Los Angeles Rams, um, Los Angeles Rams come back in the fourth to uh, beat the Bengals uh, to win the Super Bowl 23-20, okay? Uh, so Los Angeles Rams win the Super Bowl, but we, we focus on more important things here. All right, let's go to the phone lines. Let's go to Rod. Hey, Rod, thanks for holding. Uh, thanks for calling the African History Network show. Where are you calling from, Rod? Brother Mike, call from Benton Harbor. Benton Harbor, Michigan. Okay. All right, go ahead, man. Yeah. Go ahead with your question or comment. First, real quick, um, um, appreciate you know your work on uh, 
on your show and uh, Brother Roller Martin show. On oh, Roller Martin show? Okay, okay, thanks, thanks. Uh, okay. But anyway, uh, a couple quick things. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, um, it appears to me that, you know, it's great that our, our leaders are getting involved. And, you know, I, I wasn't as woke as I am now at, at, at 25 and 30 like these players. Okay. Like me, the, the, the handful, the handful of woke players that that, that are playing, it seems like you know the uh, uh, the, the rich billionaires, the the good old boys club, they respond um, in, in any in any industry in the world, uh, such as this country, um, they respond better when when the folks that's making the money uh, step up, and, uh, and and those movements always uh, do do better when the when the celebrities when they step up. And speak out, and uh, start to uh, start to activate, and start to start to get active. Um, you know, so it it it, it 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 appears that to me that uh, we, you know, email, you know, and push and encourage those brothers to step up. You know, even if it ain't, but even if it ain't, but but five to ten percent of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that that would do even more damage, even more. Um, we have even more of a push, even even more. Uh, um, uh, forward movement than if, when our leaders step up. Now, that, that's one. Number two, man, you know, it, 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 as much as I respect, love and respect Kiki Bob and his, his career, there's always, it seems like, oh, there's always a sample, you know, uh, 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 defending the master instead of focusing more on 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 us and our liberation. Right. You know, it always, it seems like it's always in every, in every crook and cranny, it's always, you always find a sample that that's defending the master talking about some weed sticks. We had the master weed sticks. So, you know, I just wanted to, again, just, just you said, you, you said, know, <laughs> you, said, you said, said master weed sick. Is that what you just said? Master, he, he, he said, we stick the master. He said, master <laughs> weed. Okay. It's you know, Malcolm X. Okay. I, I, respect, <laughs> I, I, respect, I respect some of the brothers' comments, but, you know, you, you, you defending your focus more on, well, they, they treated me well, but you're not sticking to the, not speaking to the, the, the systematic um, discrimination. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I, you know, I appreciate you, brother. And uh, if, if you will, you know, elaborate on those on those things. I appreciate it. Bless you, those. Okay. All right. We're, we're pretty tight on time. I've been talking about that for an hour and a half. But uh, yeah, you know, the the uh, the players can play a role, but um, there's more putting pressure on the advertisers of the NFL. Yeah. Uh, the putting pressure on the advertisers of the NFL is huge. Okay. Uh, because people yeah. around the country can get involved in that. Uh, you can have a, yeah. a organization. You can have a group of players who put pressure from the inside. But we, when we start putting pressure on the advertisers and when we start putting pressure yeah. on city councils and things like that, uh, you're going to see this change, but it has to come. The pressure has to come from 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 different angles, not just from one angle. But thanks, Rod. Thanks yeah. for calling. Okay, yeah. uh, okay, Jalen. We're going to go to clip four that I just sent you dealing with race norming. We'll go to that in just a second here. Uh, so while the the interview of Brian Flores was playing, I was showing a couple of articles. This one is from Detroit Free Press. This is from um, February third, twenty twenty. Two by David by Dave Burkett Burkett for the Depress agent 
Detroit Lions conducted sham interview with Terrell Austin after Jim Caldwell firing. Okay, with Terrell Austin after Jim Caldwell firing. And Jim Caldwell was the former African-American head coach of the Detroit Lions who got them, uh, he took them to an 11 and five season. Okay. And uh, Jim Caldwell went, Jim Caldwell 36 and 28 with the sorry ass Detroit Lions in four seasons with the Lions. He led the organization to two playoff appearances, including an 11 and five record in 2014, which was the Detroit Lions best record since 1991. And they fired Jim Caldwell, the black head coach. But Jim Caldwell was let go two years later after the Lions fired general manager Martin Mayhew and President Tom Lewand at midseason. Okay. Uh, read, read, this, read this article here as well. Um, just, just more nonsense. But read, read, read this article. Then you have uh, this one here. From and, and see, one of the things that Brian Flores was talking about in his lawsuit is how uh, African American coaches get pressured by the team owners to tank the season. So if they're having a losing season, he said they'll they'll get pressured to lose games so that the the team will rank higher the next season in the uh, in the NFL draft. They'll get a higher draft pick. And then he said they'll fire that coach. They'll fire that black coach, bring in a white coach to help rebuild the team after you ask the black coach to lose games so you get a higher draft pick. And they'll use they'll use the white coach to come and rebuild the team after the African-American coach did a lot of the grunt work. OK, this is something that Brian Flores is talking about also in the lawsuit. Now, the Miami Dolphins uh, say they didn't ask him to tank, uh, lose games and things like that. But um, it's all going to come out. This, this is all going to come out. All right. Now, this other article here from uh, NBC News, sham interviews and mistaken Bill Belichick text. Six takeaways from Brian Flores lawsuit against the NFL. Now, this is from February 2nd, 2022. And it goes through. So it talks about uh, the Bill Belichick text message. That was for Brian, uh, the ball, the other Brian, the white Brian. Okay. It talks about that. And then it goes in and talks about, uh, Brian Flores says it wasn't his first sham interview. He talks about the sham interviews, um, and just trying to check a box for the Rooney rules. All right. He talks about that as well. And then, uh, the allegedly futile Rooney rule, they talk about that. Other black coaches who have been passed over or quickly dismissed. Okay. That's point number. I think that's point number five. Takeaway number five Other black coaches who have been passed over or quickly dismissed. The lawsuit lists six coaches who it says were discriminated against within the NFL because they are black. This is part of Brian Flores lawsuit also. Jim Caldwell of the Detroit Lions, who got the Lions their best record since 1991, but they fired him anyway. Jim Caldwell and Steve Wilkes were fired despite their success with their teams, the lawsuit says. Jim Caldwell took the Indianapolis Colts to the Super Bowl his first year 
and and had a winning second year, but the team failed after it lost its star quarterback, Peyton Manning. And despite his past success and the justifiable reasons for this poor record, in one season out of three, Jim Caldwell was fired. Then the, the Lions picked him up as well and uh and fired and he was fired again, even though he had a winning, he had winning records in the in a majority of seasons. Okay, so read that read that one. And then um Brian Flores firing and allegations he was asked to tank the Dolphins. Allegations he was asked to tank the Dolphins. Flores' lawsuit also accuses the Dolphins of demanding that he lose games or tank games, okay? The pro sports strategy makes winning a priority, winning a low priority so payroll can be kept to a minimum while a team can be rewarded with high choices in the college draft, the NFL draft, that could lead to success in the future. The owner of the Dolphins, Stephen Ross, wanted, according to the lawsuit, Wanted Brian Flores to tank. Um, wanted Brian Flores to tank the season to put the team in position to secure the first pick in the NFL draft, and offered Brian Flores. Brian Flores alleges offered him a hundred thousand dollars for each game lost that year. The suit says. Now Stephen Ross says that's not true. Okay, but read the rest of this here. All this stuff is going to come out. Sham interviews and mistaken Bill Belichick text. Six takeaways. From Brian Flores' lawsuit against the NFL. Okay, um, when we come back from the break, we're going to play a little bit of this clip here, dealing with uh, race norming. You hear Jamel Hill, Detroit's own Jamel Hill, and I'm going to uh, talk a little bit about the online class I teach on Saturdays and Sundays. Um, ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Maafa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school, and uh, from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. Visit our website, com. You can register for those online classes there. Uh, they're on sale, um, $80, and we have a bundle pack. You can register for both classes for $120. Okay, we'll post a link here also. Visit AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. All right, we're coming up on a break. Let's to the African History Network show. I'm Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. The work that I do is larger than the fashion industry. It's larger than the art world. And I believe that I was born to bring newness into this world. I'm Kaima McIntyre. I'm 24 years old and I'm an artist. I create everything from paintings to jewelry design, metaphysical jewelry to be specific, and fashion design. The only reason why my prom dress went viral is because people needed it. Within a few days of going viral, Notori Naughton reached out to me. She's like, I saw your dress, can you make me a dress? I was equally as shocked to be asked by a celebrity to design their dress at the age of 17. That's just one person and the list just continues to go on to Janet Jackson, to Tyra Banks. It really hits home. That means that the discussion is happening on the grounds in real time. Well, welcome back to the African History Network show. Okay. Um, right before the break, we were talking about uh, the NFL's racism problem. And just give me a minute here because I'm having some technical issues here. Uh, okay, here we go. I think. Okay, 
Um, visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can register for the uh, online classes I teach on Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, where they didn't teach you in school. We do that at 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Next class is Saturday, February 19th. And on Sunday, uh, um, from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement to Black Power, 1865 to 1968, we do that at 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. on Sundays also. And we have a bundle pack. You can register for both classes for $120. All right, I want to go to this uh, next clip here. So this is dealing with um, race norming in uh, the NFL. Now, the, the, the NFL said in June of 2021 they were going to stop the practice of race norming. Let's go to this uh, clip here. This is Jamel Hill on uh, Joanne Reed's show back from June 2021. The NFL has pledged to ditch the use of so-called race norming, a eugenicist-sounding term for a racist and discredited practice. When evaluating dementia claims made by former players in the league's concussion settlement, it assumed black players started out with lower cognitive function than white and other non-black players. This made it harder for black retired players to show a deficit to qualify for a payout, which can be worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. The announcement comes after two black players filed a civil rights lawsuit over the use of race-based benchmarks. Now, all claims previously made under the concussion settlement will be reopened and reassessed without the discriminatory practice. The NFL, though ending its use of race norming, quite notably, did not apologize. Joining me now is Jamel Hill, contributing writer for The Atlantic and host of the podcast. Jamel Hill is unbothered, and my friend. Um, Jamel, when I first saw this, this, the headline and just the, like, subhead, I assumed that this was some held-over practice from, like, the first decade of the NFL that got carried over. That apparently is not true. No, it's not, and I think that's the part that is – Mind-boggling is not the right word. It's upsetting. It's disgusting. It's a whole lot of other adjectives is that this is something that the NFL has regularly made a part of this settlement. Like to base this off of something that is so abhorrent, um, that so gets to the core of some this a lot of times you have to pay attention to what they do and how they actually behave when it comes to addressing uh, institutional racism you know i'm thinking of the statement of roger goodell putting out last year after george floyd uh was killed black lives matter and then they have this whole campaign inspire change and all this other nonsense when at the end of the day somebody thought it was a good idea to base brain injury settlements off the fact that black men cognitively were just not on the same level or were inferior to white men. Somebody thought that was a good idea. Well, it, it's the same league that up until, you know, I don't know, my, probably my late teenage years, you rarely ever saw a black quarterback, right? I feel like the, 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 this is a consistent thing with the way the NFL has thought about it. White man coach, white man Right. Should be right. Black men should be on the line. Black men should be wide receivers. They're not quarterbacks. They're wide receivers. That kind of ethos to me is very NFL. That that part of it doesn't surprise me. It just surprises me that they basically used eugenics from the early 20th century because aren't the majority? I mean, what is the percentage of black players in the league? You're talking about like the vast majority of players, right? Yeah, you're talking about a league that's 70 percent black, and you couldn't be more right, Joy. I mean. 
the truth is, based off their track record, the NFL has long sent the message that they care more about abusing black bodies than respecting black minds. Um, when you look at the fact that there's three black head coaches in the NFL, there's never been a majority black owner. They got their first black team president in 100 years, okay? And we went through a very long period, as you just alluded to, of where there weren't or hardly any black coaches uh, or black people in leadership period in the NFL. It's because at the end of the day, they do not consider black men to be leaders of men. And I don't know how many different ways that they can show that, but this to me is just the latest example of something that is very on brand for this league that continues to try to insult all of our intelligence by pretending to care about issues of, of equality and uh, about addressing some of these larger conversations that we're having in this country, when clearly they don't. Yeah, they can call us when Colin Kaepernick has a, has a job um, uh, and a team. It, let's let's go right. on to because I feel pa- like, pa- and you've right been there. talking about this a lot because you're, right you're, there, you're you know we're living through it. Pause right there, there has been. Okay, so this interview, just put this in perspective, is from June third, twenty twenty one. June third, twenty twenty one. There were three African American head coaches in the NFL, June 3rd, 2021, the date of two. This is after Roger Goodell tweets Black Lives Matter and they bring on, you know, they bring on Jay-Z. He's going to, he's going to produce the halftime show and there's going to be, they're going to make some inspirational music and all this stuff, some social justice oriented music. Okay. More nonsense. Uh, so read this uh, once again. Read the article here from which one is that? This one from MSNBC, yeah, uh, by Jahan Jones. No halftime show is big and black enough to hide the NFL's controversy. They can have a hundred black people up there dancing and, and rapping, what have you. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not gonna go away. All right. And that that interview with uh, Jamel Hill is in this article also. That's from June 3rd, 2021. The work that I do is larger than the fashion industry. It's larger than the art world. And I believe that I was born to bring newness into this world. I'm Kaima McIntyre. I'm 24 years old and I'm an artist. I create everything from paintings to jewelry design, metaphysical jewelry to be specific, and fashion design. The only reason why my prom dress went viral is because people needed it. Within a few days of going viral, Notori Naughton reached out to me. She's like, I saw your dress, can you make me a dress? I was equally as shocked to be asked by a celebrity to design their dress at the age of 17. That's just one person and the list just continues to go on to Janet Jackson, to Tyra Banks. It really hits home. That means that the discussion is happening on the grounds in real time. Soul in Motion, celebrating 38 years in the arts. This energetic ensemble of dancers and drummers was started by percussionist Michael Friend and is led by choreographer, associate director Pam Lassiter. Based in the Washington, D.C. area, Soul in Motion is now accepting bookings for Black History Month, Juneteenth, and summer festivals in 2022. Soul in Motion is also available for more intimate events like naming ceremonies and weddings. 
find out more or book your date, call 240-452-1349 or send an email to info at soulinmotion.org. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Soul in Motion, celebrating our history, our culture, our future. Soul in Motion, theater, African dance, and drumming since 1984. STEM Forward, helping our community find their place in the emerging fields of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Join us for our monthly live stream on our website, stemforwardedu.org. Watch, subscribe, share. Also join our mailing list to stay up to date with STEM resources and opportunities. STEM Forward, the future is now. Watch, subscribe, share. iRedify is a black-owned digital platform that showcases black and brown cultures and people. The books on the platform are written by African-American authors, Afro-Caribbean authors, African authors, and so much more. Kids 14 and under can read ebooks, listen to audiobooks, and complete learning activities. Kids can even write in the books digitally. Get unlimited access to everything on the platform for only $8.99 a month at iRedify.com. Sign up for your membership today. Mental health and well-being have long been a taboo subject in the so-called African-American community. So I enlisted the help of mental health experts, thought leaders, and activists to help kill the ghost of Willie Lynch and heal from post-traumatic slave syndrome. We experience trauma a lot of times um, on a subconscious level. So sometimes something happens to us and we know that it's traumatizing, but we don't really recognize the extent of the trauma. They are emotionally constipated and emotionally obese. Because again, all the things that we experienced in childhood, we suffocated and we stored in our body. It's a time to kill and it's a time to heal. We've been haunted by the ghost of Willie Lynch and his doctrine of self-refueling trauma for too long. It's time for Willie to die. Die, Willie. It's time for the ghost LOXD block. It's time to kill the ghost of Willie Lynch and get out the matrix. Check out my man Ron Life Speaks at DieWillie.com. Abundant Capital Group is a real estate investment company with over 20 years of experience in real estate. They specialize in two areas of real estate. One... They solve real estate problems with creative financing solutions that give the seller the most money for their property. And two, they show individuals how to get a higher rate of return on their investment capital with real estate note investing. If you are looking to sell or need to sell your property, here is what they provide. Market value offer, even if you have little or no equity, they typically pay all closing costs which can be thousands of dollars they close on a date of the seller's choosing and the seller does not have to be out of the house at the time of closing they take the property in an as-is condition and the seller is not required to make any repairs 
Give them a call or email them today for a free consultation and see how they can help you with your real estate needs. Call them at 973-475-8488. That's 973-475-8488. Visit their website, AbundantCapitalGroup.com. That's AbundantCapitalGroup.com. And email them at ACG at AbundantCapitalGroup.com. Follow them on Instagram and Facebook at Abundant Capital Group. What does self-care mean to you? To us, it's an opportunity to reconnect with nature. A chance to create something remarkable. At Sage and Elm Apothecary, our handcrafted skin care and household products immerse you in Earth's sweetest nectar, connecting you to nature in a way you never imagined. See for yourself and visit us at sageandelmapothecary.com. <laughs> 